This is the day that you've made for us to rejoice and be glad in. Father, we are glad. We're so glad. We're just rejoicing in you. We have so much to be thankful for. Father, if we only knew how much you loved us, we would let that be first and foremost in our thinking at all times. So we thank you for your great love toward us, that we are never without comfort, peace, a feeling, a sense of well-being. All of the things that we need are wrapped up in you. So we thank you for giving us the great gift of yourself and your love. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that the Lord is my portion. Amen. The Lord is my portion. Amen. I think when you you have him, you have everything. Sometimes we forget it. We go running off looking Looking for things outside of God instead of looking to Him for the things that we need or the things that we desire. No, sometimes it's not really a need because you have what you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I have no want. And so we're not really lacking. Uh, we just want, we desire certain things to complement our lives or to make our lives um, more enjoyable, that kind of thing. So uh, I think that's something totally different. So we're not desperate and we're not in a bad way at all because we have everything that we need in God. So in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 24 is where it is. Um, we're familiar with part of this scripture. Uh, <clears throat> the Lamentations are written by the prophet Jeremiah that, who was referred to as a weeping prophet because he had to pronounce so many judgments against the nation of Israel. But whenever God pronounces judgment he gives a a glimmer of hope for restoration. With Israel, it was always a certain time limit on it. And if you kept up with the time, you knew that you would one day rejoice again. Those who didn't even care to keep up with the time didn't even know a time of rejoicing was coming. And uh, so that's kind of typical. Sometimes we just don't pay enough attention to God to know that there are good things uh, on on the horizon for us. There are always good things on the way. So Lamentations 3, uh, start in verse 22. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is a, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. He sits alone and keeps silence because he hath borne it upon him. Amen. So it says also he puts his mouth in the dust. If so, if so, what he's saying here is that when you're waiting on the Lord, when your soul is crying out to God, 
whatever you need to do to humble yourself and submit to him, you do that. Amen. When he say he puts his mouth in the dust, it means that 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 was their method of repenting during the Old Testament. It's there, you know, the the uh, um, writers would say we repented in sackcloth and ashes. Amen. And so, putting your dust, your your mouth to the dust, means that you humble yourself as low as. I mean, you can't get much lower than that. Amen. <laughs> and so he says, if if so be there may be hope. So humble yourself in case there's hope for you to come out of the situation you're in. Amen. He gives his cheek to him that slaps him. So in other words, you're a forgiving person. Amen. You're not, see, waiting on God in humility have to do with setting aside self-will. Setting aside your ability to do anything. Setting aside your um, desire to help yourself. Setting aside the flesh. Setting aside all of those things that have to do with you helping yourself. So what you do is you deliberately weaken yourself. See, it's not that sometimes we can't do something or we can't do uh, certain things. But God likes it when we voluntarily terribly release and submit those things to him. So that he sees that as a sacrifice. He sees that as an act of your will. <clears throat> because I'm telling you, it's very easy if you can't do anything else to scream and, and holler and cry until God comes for you. And then when you get back on your feet again, you just go about your merry way. But the person who will voluntarily relinquish control over certain aspects of his life to God. That shows strength. See that shows great strength. Because you're restraining yourself. From raising up in your own power. And and God sees that as a sacrifice. He really honors that. And and so people. You know you don't have to always defend yourself. You don't always have to. You know go to bat for yourself. And make sure that you're trying to keep your own reputation. Uh, the Bible says our life is hid with Christ and God. So the devil can't find it and you shouldn't be so quick to try to find it either. Amen. So if the Lord is your portion, that means that he is more than enough for you. He said, thus my soul hopes in him. So your soul then is what cries out. For God, your soul is what cries out for help. Your soul is what cries out when you uh, are are kind of like at your wit's end, at at the end of your rope, or however you want to phrase it. That's your soul is the first thing that comes in contact with your discomfort. Yeah, the Bible says, "Why are you cast down, O my soul?" Hope thou in God, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Amen. And so here the writer says, you know what? If the Lord is my portion, then I'm in the best place I can be. My problem has been that I have been relying on too many other things other than the Lord. And so many times we walk away from really trusting in God. And and then we have to 
understand and 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 come to the realization of um, what we really need what does your soul need it needs contact with God it needs to come back into the presence of God so the Lord is good to the soul that waits for him and seeks him the writer says that as well he says in 24 the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore I will hope in him so this man is having a mental conversation with himself at first, he's, he's cast down, uh, you know, and, and broken and, and all of these things. Uh, if you back up in, in chapter 3 and uh, verse 15, it says, He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunken with wormwood. He also has broken my teeth with gravel stones. He's covered me with ashes. You have removed my soul far from peace. I forgot prosperity. And then two verses later, he says, wait a minute, (laughs) soul, snap out of it. (laughs) Come to your senses. What am I crying about? The Lord is my portion. As long as God's alive, I've got hope. Anybody got a message that said God is dead yet? No, he's still alive. That means there's hope for me. Why? Because he's your portion. What does that mean? What, What do they mean by the word portion? It really means your share. Everybody's got something. Your share of what's given out is God. He's your portion. That word also means my inheritance. So you're not broke. You're not miserable. You're not bankrupt. You're not without. He is your inheritance. The word portion also means your reward. It means your allotment. Something that is given to you. So what that really says is that you're never without. There's something given to everybody. And when you belong to God, he's your portion. He's what's allotted to you. He is El Shaddai, which means he is more than enough in all situations. So your portion is more than enough. Your portion is never short. It's never lacking. It's never um, without. Your portion is always more than enough. Your soul is crying out for God. We may think we want other things. But your soul really is crying out for God. For living contact with the living God. Amen. And so when, when we're, when, when, like in this situation, the writer here is seeing, uh, Israel being cap, uh, uh, sold off into captivity. Uh, Israel is, has to spend a certain number of years <clears throat> under the authority of another government. Under the authority of slave drivers and oppressive people. Uh, why? Because they've walked away from their portion. They thought their portion was somewhere else. And now he's finding, oh yeah, God is my portion. I could have gone to him all along. If I had gone to God, I wouldn't be in the shape I'm in now. But here I am. And he is still my portion. 
See if we can stay out of the devil's condemnation and not let him get us wound up in what we didn't do and how we weren't faithful or how we put this off or we didn't do this right or that right. If we can go to the Lord repenting like he says here in in uh, um, uh, uh, verse 29 he put his mouth in the dust. Sometimes you got to get low with it as they say. You know, just keep your face to the ground and speak those things out that you know uh, that weren't right in your life or you know that you didn't do right or you know that offended people or you know that you 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 know were so caught up in what you wanted you didn't think about anything else. You know, many times that's that's our biggest sin of self-preservation and not Knowing that the Lord is our portion. You know, you've always got Him. So hold on to your position where you're at and, and then let your soul feed on what God has for it. And, and you'll make it through these difficulties without, uh, letting go of everything that's important in your life. You know, you'll see people get in trouble in their marriage and, you know, they let themselves go, let the kids go, let everything go. You know, it's only one, one aspect of your life. It's important, but it ain't God. You know, God didn't let go of you. You understand what I'm saying? You, you just, you just have to understand these things. Uh, trouble comes to everybody. Your trouble may be different from everybody else's, but it's still trouble. You know, you can ask anybody, have you ever had so-and-so? Yeah, girl, I had that. And, <laughs> but God, you know, we haven't heard the end of the story yet. And it doesn't matter what, what evil befalls you. As long as you know that God is your portion, your soul can feast on that. Amen. And you have a way out. You always have a way out. Amen. So your soul is seeking for God. It's your soul that responds to trouble. Amen. Uh, you know, I've seen people, uh, I'm just so thankful for, uh, things like, <clears throat> uh, you know, Wounded Warrior Project and, um, uh, you know, organizations that help people who have had misfortune, you know, and those are big misfortunes because you can't say, well, he was drunk driving and messed himself up. You know, many of these people um, lost what they lost serving us, people who are just going about your everyday life, not thinking about trouble or anything. They stand in defense of us in our trouble. And uh, I don't care if you believe in war, don't, it doesn't matter. You still have to be protected. The same thing with the police force. You know, people, oh, police, they this and they that, and always wanting to rag somebody out. What have you done to protect somebody recently? You know, these people get up every day hoping to come home. You go to your job and you're sure you're going to make it home every day. You understand what I'm saying? So let's not disrespect the sacrifice of others. Don't look down on anybody who's putting their life on the line for another person. That's, that shows a great love. The Bible says that. Greater love has no man that he would lay down his life for a friend. You understand? And so we have to be respectful of all of these things. That's the Christian way. You know, the, the carnal way is easy. But the Christian way is elevated above, above where people 
normally would live in these things. But I'm always so, so thankful for people who will help, help them see that their life is still worth living. You know, that will put their soul at peace about themselves so that they can start making efforts toward having some kind of life. And then I look at sometimes people who are able-bodied and they go and get on drugs just because they're depressed one day. You understand what I'm saying? And and so you look at life and it doesn't make sense in many ways because there's so many of us who have advantages that don't appreciate it. But still the Lord has got to be our portion whether we're able-bodied, feeble-bodied, on our way back to recovery, you know, on our way to disability or whatever it is. God has still got to be your portion if you're going to make it through life. You're going to have to have peace in your soul. You're going to have to have rest and comfort in your soul at all times. And only God can give you that. He will have to show you the path that he wants you to take. That path of of peace, contentment, and well-being. Because there is contentment for you no matter what your situation is. I don't care what it is. There's a place in God where you can be content. And there's a place in God where you can see your life is worth living. There's a place in God where you can say, well, you know what, God? I've got you and that's everything. And I'm going to cling to you. I don't have what I want over here. I don't have what I want over there. I don't have this. But I'm going to cling to you. And you'll find that your portion in God is all you need. You need all this other stuff. You just really don't. You know, I'll see people like, um, uh, there was a, um, a young, young person born without arms. Was a very fabulous artist because what did they do? They decided they weren't going to sit around and do nothing. They got up and started painting with their toes. You understand what I'm saying? And kept at it until they got good at it. In fact, not just good, but excellent at it. There's all kinds of people that that have overcome adversity. And we look at them and we marvel. Well, you can do the same thing. You know, your little petty things that you go through that, you know, put you in a snit. You don't want to talk to nobody. And you you know what I'm saying? Uh, Light afflictions. The Apostle Paul called them. And they really are. And so we we have to understand when God is your portion. uh, You can live out of the knowledge of him being there for you. And you can know that whatever comes he's really all you need. Paul talked about the things that came against him. And at the end of that thought he said but none of these things move me. Move him from where? See, when you say they don't move you, that means you must have a position. Huh? They don't move him from the love of God. They don't move him from trusting God. They don't move him from receiving God as his portion. And sometimes you have to feed on God as your portion minute by minute. Amen. Some things are can be very, very tense to get through. But if you'll stay with understanding that God wants you to cling to him. He is our portion and we are his. Amen. And so when we have that reciprocal agreement with God, then we can, we can overcome anything. Amen. We can overcome anything. In Deuteronomy 18, <clears throat> we'll look at the priestly portion because 
the Bible says that we are a chosen generation and we are a royal priesthood. Which means that our priesthood has a kingly aspect to it as well. In the Old Testament they didn't have that. The kings were separated off into a different office. But because we have the spirit of Christ in us we reign as he reigns. And he is king and priest. And he is Lord of all. And so when you have that uh, you you have a a uh, increased authority in your ministry. So the priest is the minister. A minister is a servant. I don't know how people started using the word ministry to make it sound like you had bunches of money and people were falling all over you. But a minister really is a servant. We are called to serve. And so uh, our service is to humanity and our service is to God and before God. So in Deuteronomy 18 and verse Start in verse 1. It said the priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. Hmm. So when Israel came out of Egypt, they cast lots for their land. There were a couple of tribes, uh, um, I think it was, I used to remember, half tribe of Manasseh. Who did they always go with? Yeah, Benjamin. Thank you. I thought it was Benjamin. I wasn't sure. But Benjamin and a half tribe of Manasseh settled on the front side of the Jordan River. I think it's the left bank, the left side of the Jordan River. Because they found land there and they felt that they wanted to to take their land. There are some people who are real go-getters. And God will let them go get. You got me? So their land was on one side of the Jordan. And, and their brothers and sisters were on the other side. Well thank God for that side. Because they were pretty much the only tribes that had an allotment of land. Because the rest of them just didn't want to do it. They had to cast lots for the land that they had. And many of them were apportioned land. They have like a contract for it. But they don't have possession. Why? The giants, they're like giants over there. They're too big for us. So we'd rather walk around and complain than go in and possess. Same thing now. Many times all we, when we, when we need prayer, it's just, we just rather complain than possess. You understand what I'm saying? Now not that getting prayer is wrong. That's part of, of your, your privilege in God and, and often it is a necessity. But I am saying this. There are, I'll tell you, I'll give you a good example of it. If you watch many of the TV ministries that have prayer lines, they service people who never go to church, who never crack open a Bible. They just believe that all they have to do is sit at home and call this prayer service and God will send stuff down to them meet their needs. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's easy to fall into that pattern and attitude toward God when you don't understand your authority. My 
my thinking is that if people were taught authority and taught prayer from the beginning, then we would have much stronger Christians out there because there's a connection between what we learn in church and what we see on television. Sometimes a TV ministry keeps us crippled. You got me? Because they don't have a way to, they haven't really prayed through and, and devised a way to strengthen people on the other side of that phone line. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, oftentimes though those people on the other side of the line want help and they may even be connected with a local fellowship that has no power and is failing them. So one of those prayers needs to be about, you know, are you in a good church? You know, you, you seem like you really love God. You want God's help. I We have a directory here of churches in your area that we would be happy to direct you to. Can you go try them and see, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't have a place of continual worship. And so uh, we we have to really understand that the priest is not a minister to serve people, but he's a minister to strengthen people. See, if your ministry weakens and not strengthens people, there's something not right there. See, when the, the when the priest took the offerings for the people, it was to atone for their sins. So once you get sin removed from you, you walk away stronger. Amen. So that priesthood was to strengthen the people. It was not to make the people dependent upon the priest to keep doing this over and over and over again. And so there has to be something built in to the way we minister that will strengthen people and not weaken them, not make them dependent upon us for our prayer and so forth and so on. So the Levite then was not given land. He says, you will have no part nor inheritance with them. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. So our inheritance is God's inheritance. Amen. He becomes our portion just like he was a portion for the Levite. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among the brethren. In other words God says I'm not going to let you double dip. Because I'm already feeding you the offerings that come in. And so you don't need to have land to work. And all of this stuff. You see a lot of times ministers. Well well, I'm in full time ministry. And they haven't really been released by God. To receive offerings from the people. Just because you called. That don't mean you automatically start taking people's money. Hmm? Oftentimes what. What. People traditionally do is hold on to a regular job until their faith builds for the ministry, etc., etc., and in, in the ministry. But you don't have unlimited funds out of that offering. You no, know, God has to. You have to talk to God and find out what your portion is. You got me, and take that and only that. And so God has a way of making sure we all live by faith and have him as our portion so that we don't get confused about what we're doing and how to do it. 
And he says, therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance. As he has said to them, he tells them this twice. And this shall be the priests due from the people. From them that offer a sacrifice, whether it be ox or sheep, and they shall give unto the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the moss. So he told them exactly what portion of that animal belonged to them and the portion that belonged to God. There you will not find in the Bible any instructions from God that gives people unlimited money, unlimited access to money, None of that stuff. Now, the people will say things like, well, uh, I get, I get royalties from my books and that's my money. Well, you better check with God and make sure about that. What are your books about? Oh yeah, well stuff I learned. No, actually they are taken from those sermons you preach. They're transcribed sermons. Who gives you the sermons? You understand me? Now legally, as far as Caesar's concerned, you have you have copyright authority because it's it's considered um, intellectual property. But it ain't your intellect. Without God, you don't have a message. You understand me? So I don't care in, in, even if you, if you were making shoes, God gave you hands, He gave you gifts, He gave you abilities. Come on, y'all. So we can't just say, oh, you know, this, this, all this belongs to me because I wrote that. My name's on it and so forth and so on. So it's easy to get off what God really he's not opposed to you having money but he's opposed to you stepping away and making money your portion and not him your portion see it's it's all what's your inheritance really is God really your inheritance or are you trying to lay up something in the bank you know just for old time's sake I remember a, a pastor saying, uh, you know, I decided that, you know, I just see defending being a millionaire. And, uh, well, you know, I just felt like, you know, I, I'm, if, if I had success, my kids wouldn't have to work so hard. Why not? What's wrong with your kids? They can't work. Now, where'd you get that from? Is that a God attitude about them? And like right now, none of them are in the ministry. The one that was preaching Morally, no good. Not preaching anymore. So you're laying up millions of dollars for, you see what I'm saying? God's money sitting there waiting on them and they're not fulfilling anything. So you can't go like off script, let God be your portion until you get a bunch of stuff. And then he's not your portion anymore. You start getting all these worldly creative ideas about what you're doing, how you're doing it, all that kind of stuff. He says too, the first fruit also of your corn, of wine, your oil, and the first of the fleece of your sheep shall you give him. So the Levite really was honored when he had God as his portion. 
You see the honor given him, the first of everything? Everything. And it says, for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. Amen. And so we have an eternal priesthood, but we also are a royal priesthood. So where the Levite was a natural minister, we are spiritual ministers. And so we have also, uh, in our priesthood, we have authority in a spiritual realm. They had it only in the natural and it was only good for a limited period of time. Ours is eternal and we have it in in a high spiritual realm. Amen. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ far above all principality, power, might and dominion and every name that's named. Not only in this world, but that which is to come too. So our, our priesthood, our dominion and our authority stretches far into the future. It'll be there forever. Amen. So there was a priestly portion that went to the priest. We just found what that was. That was their natural. So the priest, as long as the priest functioned, he didn't go hungry. He wasn't he had a, a shelter, he had all of his needs met, and he was able to keep the people strengthened in God. That's the real essence of a priesthood. You strengthen people in God. You don't weaken them. Amen. You help them to get strong in the Lord. You don't take away from them. You'll find out some people want to be strengthened and some don't. You got me? So, you know, and when you're a leader, you have to take that chance. If God tells you, you know, teach the people how to pray. Don't let them keep coming to you whining about this, that, and the other. Teach your people to pray. I want to hear from them myself personally. I got things I want to tell them, et cetera, et cetera. You can't then start babying people. And tell them, you know, things like, well, uh, you better, you better let me help you pray for that or, you know, all this kind of stuff. You wear yourself out. God wants to hear from his own people. Amen. He wants to. And he wants to have that, that, um, relationship. Amen. So we have a priestly portion that is given to us. We were given no land outright. Amen. We were required to live supernaturally. Even the Old Testament priest was, was, priest was required to live supernaturally. Amen. Why? Because your God is El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He's the God of the overflow. He's the God who can take care of every need in every area that you have. Amen. So the Lord has always been the inheritance of the priesthood then and now. He's our portion now, even more so. Amen. So, um, let me see. Leviticus 24. Did we do that one yet? Okay, Leviticus 24. You know, these people had to live supernaturally because how could you remember all this stuff? You know, they had to keep records. They had to write it down. They had to read it constantly. 
No, they couldn't do what we do. Skip going, you know, getting in the word for days and days and weeks. <laughs> oh boy. Amen. So, um, this talks about just, just a portion of the, the, um, uh, area that the priests had to take care of. And, and that was in the, this is the, the uh, instructions for the tabernacle. And so the tabernacle was where God met his priest to minister over the needs of the people. And in uh, 24 verse 5, And you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two two tenth deals shall be in one cake. And you shall set them in two rows, six on a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it where? Can't take it home. Can't take it away from the presence of God. That'll keep you on a diet, won't it? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> Eli, uh, who was the high priest during Samuel's, when Samuel was born, uh, he was um, given to Eli um, by his mother. She promised that baby to God. And Eli, being the priest at the time, took Samuel in and began to teach him. And so it was said that Eli's sons abhorred the Lord's portion. They resented the fact that all of this offering was coming in here and they couldn't do what they wanted to do with it so they did it anyway and tragedy and judgment came to that house in one day and one day the uh, daughter-in-law of Eli who was married to one of the sons uh, had a miscarriage and she named the baby anybody remember? Ichabod, amen, because the glory had departed and she knew it. See, people, you know, people know you can only sin for so long, misbehave for so long it catches up with you because the earth will start to vomit you back out. You understand? And so sin can only, it can't, it has nowhere to go. Because of of wickedness and iniquity, it it just can't. (laughs) That's why the flood came. Because God had to cleanse the earth. He said he looked and saw that man was sinful continually. And he said I'm going to kill them all. Amen. But he always makes room for at least one righteous person. I mean if it's just one little family or one little person or two people. He'll make sure he offers that lifeline to somebody who will believe in him. And so uh, you just see that as, as part of the way the word word works here on the earth just works that way so the sacred portion belonged to the priest and he says you have to eat it in the holy place for it is most holy 
unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. And so the portion, in, in to me what that means is that everything, like in, in our dispensation, everything pertaining to God has to be received by your spirit, by the Holy Spirit bringing it to your spirit. We can't receive the revelation of God in a carnal mind. It has to be partaken of by your Holy Spirit, your born again spirit. There are times we try, I know everybody's been there. You just really want to help somebody real bad and you try to explain holy things to them and they'll say, oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know they don't understand what you're talking about so what's happened is you've taken something holy fed it to dogs amen and so we have to keep holy things holy because not everybody can partake of you know the holy things you know you try to help people and they wind up trampling you and cursing you you know he didn't want to help me anyway i could tell Oh, I don't come to my door anymore is what you want to say. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but they're, they're so sad, you know, for a person to be in that kind of spirit of condemnation all the time where they don't even trust that God would send them some. Why would you pray? And you said you prayed and asked God, you know, last week I showed up as a response to your prayer this week. You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to let holy Feed holy and, and allow people to receive what they need from God. But this it says you must eat it in the holy place to keep them from temptation. Because what would happen if they were allowed to take it home? Like we do, give it to your carnal neighbor <laughs> that don't understand what you're talking about and don't appreciate it. See, we share the holy things with the wrong people. If they're not consumed in the holy place. Got it? Not that you can't help people. But not everything is for everybody. And sometimes we don't find that out until we try to give them something. Got me? So so it has to be in the designated place that God designates it to be consumed. Amen? The high priest had to consume everything. They didn't have refrigeration. You weren't able to preserve things very well. You could do it with some things. You could do it with grain and corn. But those uh, animal sacrifices had to be totally consumed. Amen. So <clears throat> the priestly portion was allotted. Every priest had a portion. So that's what that was. The priestly portion was allotted from the offerings that the children of Israel brought. If they don't bring offerings, you have no portion. You got me? So this forces you to go to God. Many people don't read enough Bible. You see too many ministers out here that don't read enough Bible to understand how this works. If you don't have enough, that means that you are not really dealing with God the right way as your portion. So you gotta go back and talk to Him. You gotta pray. You gotta get an understanding, God. This isn't here and that's not here. We need this and we need that. You have not because you ask not. 
And so when you know God is your portion, and this is why God does it this way, is to keep pressure off his people. Got me? We are not allowed to pressure people into giving. We can ask and request and pray and hope people catch on. You know, we've been in this ministry close to 30 years and I'm still explaining to people why you give seed money. You're still teaching seed faith to people who claim to be faith people. They don't know there's a difference between reading it on the Bible and then getting up and doing it. So when you get up and do it, you've got to show some faith. And once you decide you're going to do something for God, the devil harass you about it all day long. So mostly we can't bear up under the harassment. We just cave in and say, well, you know, I'll do it next week. Or I know God told me something different. Well, no, he didn't. You know, or, well, you know, humor me. Try this way for a minute. Then, you know, and see if it may not work for you. If it doesn't, just go back to doing it your way. You know. Well, you know, there are people that, that do that. They go to church all their lives and still doing things their way. They've never really stuck with God because they can't get past the nervous stage. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Unless it's something drastic and you really don't have any resources. But as long as we have resources, we don't receive the Lord as our portion. We just don't really do it. And so many times we have to get in that place where nobody likes to be, where everything's taken away from you except God. You know how your mother used to tell you, Mama, I don't like them peas on my plate. Mama, I don't want this. Mama, I don't want this. Girl, one of these days you'd be glad to get them peas. Huh? <laughs> and so that's that's the way it is with God. One of these days we'd be glad God is all we got. Because <laughs> you'll find out he's more than enough. Some of us, that's the only way we find out. We get pressed on every side. <laughs> forsaken, but not, you know, whatever. Distressed, but not forsaken. Whatever, whatever. So, uh, yeah. So the sacred portion belongs to the priest. Our portion is sanctified. Whatever we need from God, that's our sacred portion. What do you need? You need wisdom. You need peace. You need joy. You need revelation. You need understanding. You need another scripture that you can pray. So that, or you need to just stand on the one you've been praying and quit discarding things so quickly. Amen. We always want to move on to another scripture and we really haven't allowed the one we're standing on to work for us. So, you know, just stay with what, just, just, you don't need another scripture. You need peace about the one you got. You need to have confidence that that will work. Amen. So the Levites had no land. God was their portion. They weren't allowed to farm. See if you don't have land you can't farm. And so uh, you can't put your hand to anything that's going to compete with God. Because when the Lord is your portion your hands are full. You don't have room or time for anything else. Just, just allow him to be everything you need him to be. Amen. So, um, Deuteronomy 26, 13. I'm trying to 
stay with my little order I had here. These are the the um, offerings that were demanded from the nation of Israel. Now you can look at the frequency of offerings and the types of offerings to see that God had more than enough to take care of his priests. You know, it wasn't just a once weekly in an envelope offering, but they had offerings coming in on a continual basis. Amen. He says... Um, Verse 9, And he hath brought us into this place and has given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. I think this was the prayer they prayed over their tithe. He says, And now behold, I brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So giving and worship were always one action. And you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given unto you. So that's why, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, let's receive the offering. Everybody applauds. You know, first you do it. (laughs) But it's a command here. You see it right here with the offering. You rejoice when you present your offering to the Lord. He loves the cheerful giver. Amen. He said you'll rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given unto you and to your house. You and the Levite and the stranger that's among you. So this was a time. The time of the harvest offering was a time for rejoicing for everybody. Even those that did not work the land. He said when you have made an end of tithing all the tithes of your increase the third year. Which is the year of tithing. Now there were two tithes. This was a third year tithe and they had an annual tithe. And has given it to the Levite, the stranger. See this third year tithe was to be distributed to those outside. Uh huh. The annual was given directly to the priest for the use for, you know, food in the house. And he says, the fatherless and the widow that they may eat within the gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have brought away the hallowed things, holy things, out of my house. So your tithe is a holy thing. Your offering is a holy thing. It's dedicated to God. Amen. And had also given them unto the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all. So we're to take care of people with our substance. Period. I have not transgressed your commandments, neither have I forgotten them. Amen. I have not eaten thereof of my mourning, neither have I taken away aught thereof of any unclean use or given aught for the dead, etc., etc. So he's quoting the law back to God, letting God know that he's been obedient and all of that. And he has brought that sacred portion. Amen. To the house of the Lord. Amen. So things that are often to God are shared with the priesthood. That's what it's for. The priest is the one in this, and I'm talking about now in this dispensation. You can see that the Old Testament priest was busy killing animals, cooking food. You understand what I'm saying. That was the slaughterhouse and the 
food prep place. Part of that animal was consumed by fire as an offering to God. God received the smoke that came up. Amen. From that fire. And so, um, um, that was his portion. And there were certain portions of that animal that were refused to, that God refused them to eat. The fat was one part of it. So that's why you could stay lean being a priest. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You sure couldn't do keto up in there. Well, anyway. However. Amen. So. <laughs> Amen. So, um, but we are, are to make intercession. Our priesthood now is an intercessory priesthood. Man, it's an intercessory priesthood. Usually, in new covenant surroundings or new covenant principles, people do not make offerings when they ask for prayer. Do they? No, you don't bring, you don't bring anything up there. Why? Jesus has already made the sacrifice for you to enter into the presence of the Lord. So the offering and the sacrifice was to allow you into God's presence. Now we have access by faith into the presence of God. So we skip the offering part of it, bringing it up to say like if you ask somebody for prayer. And so if God really is your portion, you have to trust him to take care of you as a minister of his. And so everybody who's a believer has God as their portion because there's we don't get any payment for our prayers. We don't get any, there's nothing given to us directly for our prayers by the one who's asking for the prayer. Man. So how are we paid as New Testament priests? If, if that law is a perpetual law that we're allowed a portion of the holy things, how are we paid? So we're paid through the law of sowing and reaping. When you sow into the realm of the spirit, God sees that seed that you plant. If it's a prayer, I don't care if it's a prayer for somebody else, if it's a prayer for you, who it's for. When you pray God's word, you are sowing seed in his kingdom. And as a priest, New Testament priest, you are a king and a priest. So you are paid through that law. And once you sow, you also will reap. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. People who have a very productive and prolific prayer life are paid royally by God. You've got to believe that. You must believe that. The royalty portion, there's a a royalty portion that we're paid to. Amen. We are granted rulership in our ability to command forces of darkness away. That you cannot pay for. Amen. You even get calls from people. Now we've had this throughout this ministry for years. I've known people who wouldn't darken the doorsteps of our meeting. But they'll send other people over there. You know, people say things like them. Well, no, if you if that's what your problem, go over there to them watchmen. 
How? Now they won't come. They won't show up. <laughs> I guess if they need. Well we every now and then. Some of them will flush themselves out of hiding. <laughs> and make themselves known. And they'll show up at the meeting. God told me to come over here. Because I got so and so. I said okay. Well we'll we work with it. Whatever. But your royalty portion comes. Because you're granted rulership. Amen. Over principalities and powers and forces of darkness. Now if you talk to some of your Christian friends. They have no clue what that means. They'll say that. They'll quote that scripture. But it's not a part of their prayer life. I remember when we came here. We were with the Russian church, sweet, sweet people, and they were prayer walking, but they were afraid of who, what was it? Was a statue out there and they said they weren't allowed to pray against it or something like that. Where our friend Henry, he goes and finds those places. Henry Groover, the original prayer walker, he goes and, and destroys altars, witches altars. Because God leads him to where the strong man is keeping a stronghold over things. See? So, and, and this is why I really, to be honest with you, I just, when people say prayer walking, my eyes were rolled in the back of my head. Because I could never find anybody was getting any results from it. And they couldn't tell you what results they got. Finally. You know what I'm saying? Those, those questions get answered at some point. And so, uh, much of this walking around praying is not done with authority. Why? They don't have the royalty portion. Sing. They're a priesthood. They love God. They'll stand in His presence and feel good and worship all day long. But when it comes to taking authority, they're mute. Hmm? So you, you have to understand the royalty portion is, is what allows you to be able to command things into your life. Priests don't command. The Old Testament priest didn't do anything except receive the offerings. I shouldn't say do and do anything. His role was limited to receiving offerings, making sacrifices, getting people to atone for their sins so that they could be strengthened to live a sinless life. And many times they failed at it. No, the priesthood would go a wall, the people would go a wall. You'd see, uh, the altar of the, of God being given over to idols. All that kind of stuff. And so it, it only lasted because it was weak. Cause it had to be carried out through weak human flesh. Anything you carry out in the flesh is weak. Amen. And so the strength really is in, in what you can command in the spirit. So we're granted rulership. In our ability to command forces of darkness away. The hidden riches are unveiled to us through intercession. What do I mean when I say hidden riches? I mean there are things that God will reveal to you. Because he has to reveal them to you. That are hidden from the average believer. If you're a priest, you know how offerings work, you know how sacrifices work, you know how authority works, and you've seen it work. 
Somebody say amen. What are y'all doing you pray? You don't see anything good happen as a result of your prayers? Of course you do. You should be looking for things as part of your faith. Skills are acquired through intercession. Anytime you use the word, you're going to get get the results of using the word. You're a doer then. You're not just a hearer. So you'll get the results of being a doer. Hmm? When we when we first came here to Detroit, I know I've shared this testimony, but I'll share it again because it, it bears repeating. When we first came here to Detroit, uh, people would tell me stories like, oh, we, we need to have some Christian groups come here and they don't come here and blah this and blah that. And so the Lord told me, he said, I want you to go around to all of these venues. I think we had about four or five of them. He said, I want you to break the power of the devil over these places so my people can get in there and have big meetings that they want to have. Okay, God, we'll do that. Amen. Now, prior to that, that wasn't my first rodeo. You understand what I'm saying? Prior to that, we had been a part of a church and we rented space from a Presbyterian church. And we... We would have our meeting. They would have their hour-long meeting at 10 in the morning. And then our congregation, a very loud mixture of people, would come in there uh, at 11 and have our service. But I noticed that when we would have an altar call, different things would happen. Different manifestations of evil. I knew it was evil. I remember one time I was standing in the... Uh, back, which is where prophets go. I'm gonna tell you right now, we ain't front people. But pretty soon you'll be noticed and asked to leave. People can see the spirit of God on you. And so I stayed in my respectful place in the back. And, uh, I had introduced myself out of respect to the pastor and let him know that I was active in a women's ministry and, you know, I needed a place to worship and I felt God had led me there end of conversation. And so little by little he would trust me to do certain things and so he had asked me once if I would consent to pray for the congregation with his wife and so that was my assignment so Pastor Shirley and I would go over there and pray with her and so I noticed that when they gave the altar call one time a chill went over the congregation. And nobody came to the altar. I mean the anointing with like that. Um, now that happens when people are not spirit filled. Spirit filled people can war back. They'll notice something happened and automatically the Holy Spirit will prompt you to pray in tongues. You'll go into gear and fight for that to come back. But there's not enough not enough power there to do that warfare you won't get it you just sit there in a cold chill and the Lord showed me some demons jumping up and down like in a bowling alley yeah and he said because I felt that chill start at the back of the church and go up to the front and he said they're bowling in the church he said the choir is their pins and they keep throwing them up there knocking them down throwing them up and so they were so I got godly indignant and so the Lord told me he said now this is how you take authority over that level of devil 
And so he told me it was a religious spirit. He said, and they run this place. He said, they ran the Holy Ghost out of here centuries ago. Got me? And they, every time somebody puts that denominational name up there, that invites them right in. It gives them permission. Any name other than the name of Jesus you put on something gives that spirit that claims that name permission to run that show. And that's what they were doing. So he told me, he said, I want you to walk around this building seven days, you know, a day at a time. He said, on the seventh day, go around seven times. He said, and tell the devil he's got to leave in my name. And so I did that. And I remember, I remember having to go at night one time and some, I was out with some friends in my glow. And I told her what I was doing. She said, oh, really? I said, yeah. She said, ah, we'll drop you off over there. We'll wait for you. <laughs> so I made my faithful, making my little seven circles, seven circles. And so uh, Pastor Shirley and I and another lady that we prayed with, four of us always, three of us prayed with the pastor's wife. We went in there. And so God said, well, I want you to go in there now and get that thing out of there. And so we went in and every time they had these very beautiful uh wood, you know how they had the old wood ceilings in these very expensive wood. And so we would start, we started at the back of the church and every time we moved we heard something on the ceiling go crick, crick, crick. <laughs> you go. You back up two steps of the car, crick, 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 crick. Okay, let's go forward. Crick, crick, crick. <laughs> and so we just started praying in the Holy Ghost. That's always your answer. You pray in the Spirit. And you don't stop. You pray until the job's done. This is why a lot of times we don't get much. We pray until we tie but if God said go in there and take it out, then he's with you to take it out. You don't leave till you take it out. It didn't take long. We prayed and we prayed all around. We touched everything in there. We didn't command anything. You don't go in there talking English unless you feel the unction to do it. Man. So it followed us and when we got to the altar where all the stuff was that's when they got quiet and so we started moving things around on the altar and they always kept a bible open a psalm 23 or whatever it was placed on and so we closed the bible up and opened it up closed it and opened and they and left so we had no more problem out of them after that amen so when god said to take authority over these buildings up here i said oh okay i know how that goes and so we encircled the buildings we prayed and prayed in the spirit and we broke the devil's power and commanded them to release those buildings and that god's people were going to come in and have meetings you tell them what they're to do and you tell them why and you tell them everything god will you make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of god so when you do those things then god will release what he says he's going to release 
and he will allow his spirit to maintain manifest and do we've had so many people come in to to those venues Benny Hinn started to come in Joyce Meyer comes in and anybody who wants to have a meeting in the city of Detroit can have a meeting there you understand what I'm saying and so it was it was good and it was good for us to be able to make a difference well that's royalty you got me that's the royal portion of your priesthood where you know that you stand in authority, you rule and reign over the things of this earth, especially the demonic realm. You have no problem believing that God has you rule and reign over the forces of darkness. So these skills are acquired through intercession. He, you can't just sit and be curious about stuff and God tell you a bunch of stuff. People who like to have them long conversations about, oh man, please, just let me go any, please torture me, pull my fingernails out, but don't get me in one of them conversations, please. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's nothing there. This isn't an intellectual exercise. This is, we're talking about real power and real authority. So this is how you're paid. You're paid in the anointing. You're paid through power. You're pray, paid through the ability and the ease to get things done for God. That's how we're paid. We're given tools. If you don't want to work for God, this ain't for you because he's going to give, he doesn't give tools to people who don't use them. Amen. So then the anointing or God becomes our portion. You're, you're paid already. You understand me? You're paid in revelation. You're paid in understanding if you'll receive it as that. Now prayers are just something for you to skim through and you know what I'm saying. is I don't know why we got to pray like this. Just look it up in your Bible. Ask God to give you understanding. Amen. So you acquire these things. Those are hidden riches. Those are things not everybody knows and not everybody understands. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 57. He says, you are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. So if the Lord is your portion, you obey him. That's how you receive your portion, is through obedience. Says you must keep his word. If you claim God is your portion, you gotta do the word. Do what he tells you to do. Psalm 16 verse 5. I like this psalm. 16. Verse 5, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. You maintain my lot. Now we said the lot was a portion. He says you maintain my lot. He said the lines are fallen to me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So when when Israel drew lots for their land... People wanted the lush stuff, but you couldn't just pick it. 
you had to, you know, pull straws for it, however they cast lots. That's what you had to do. And so, if you trusted God to give you good land, your land, your, your lines fell in goodly places. Oh wow, I've already got clover growing. I've already got a couple trees on there. I already got so and so. I got that plot. That's the desired plot. So when, when God is, cause the Bible says the fall of the lot belongs to the Lord. If you pull straws, that's what God wants you to have. And he says, you maintain my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. In other words, my heart instructs me in the night seasons. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be moved. So that's your life when God is your portion. He's always there to give you counsel, understanding, and help. Because of that, you won't be moved. Nothing will, I don't care what kind of bad news they tell you. You will not be moved. Remember Job and all the bad news he got in one day? Do we think the little stuff we have <laughs> is earth shattering? Huh? Lost his everything but his wife. Lost it all in one day and then she got testy on him. Huh? <laughs> she wasn't cool after a while. Amen. So your portion at your right hand makes you immovable. He's your portion at your right hand. The right hand is always a place of strength and power. Amen. Okay, so we got one more. One Psalm one forty two. Yeah, you know if people say, "Well, you don't have this and you don't have honey," the Lord is my portion. I got everything. Are you kidding me? You talking about this stuff? You gonna leave when you go belly up one day? Huh? No, I don't think so. Verse five, he says. I cried unto thee, O Lord, and I said, You are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. So he's a place where you can escape to. When God is your portion, you can escape to his protective custody. Amen. He said, Untended to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I am. You don't have to go for bad. If people are stronger than you, that the Lord is your portion, that's all you need. Amen. Yes. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, when you knew my path in the way wherein I walked, they have laid a snare for me. This is David talking. said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Huh? Uh, don't feel sorry for yourself. See, David is just recounting the condition he was in before he snapped out of it. He said, wait a minute. God is my portion. Huh? I don't need anybody else. Amen? My persecutors come and they want to eat me up and devour me, take everything I've got. But God is my portion. Huh? I will not be moved. I will not fear what man can do to me. Amen. Who is man? 
compared to Almighty God. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, for Lord, for helping us to understand that we have the better portion. Like Mary, we have the better portion because we're waiting at your feet for your word. And your word is everything. So we thank you, Lord, for being our portion. We couldn't do better. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God.